So, we have spent the past five weeks looking at words that describe Genesis Church, but also that we can apply to our own lives. So we've done uncertainty. A lot of the times on this journey, you've got to trust God because you don't know where you're going. We've done flexibility. God will often do things in a different way than we ever thought or could even imagine. We have done community. We were built for community. We were not built to do things alone. Last week, we did availability. It takes each and every one of us saying, you know what, I'm here, I'm ready to help, I'm ready to jump in to get the mission done that we need to do. And the problem is with those four words, I ended up being kind of boxed in. Because for week five, that meant it had to be a word that ends in T-Y, because all the others did. I didn't want my word to end in T-Y, so I'm going to cheat a little. It is a series called Five for 25. I'm changing it to Six for 25, because I'm going to give you two words for today. One is the official title. One is Charlotte's subtitle, okay? So the official title is Invariability. I'll give you the subtitle. Consistency. It didn't end in TY, so that was my problem. Consistency. Over the course of 25 years here at Genesis Church, there has actually been one item that actually shows how consistent we have been in a church, in our mission, and in what we are about. And the very first week we met as a church, right across the front in the basement at the Inn at Medford, there was a banner that said, to seek and to save. In fact, I couldn't get a picture, a very good picture of it, but here's one with two people you might recognize. <laughs> one area we have not been consistent in is our name, because that says Grace Church to seek and to save. Consistency in our name has not been there. Actually, there's another picture where you can kind of see it too. So right there at the front, you see Grace Church to seek and to save. I looked at this picture and I thought, you know what I'm glad we haven't been consistent about? How many suits and ties do you see there? <laughs> right? Hey, let me show you another thing in this picture that shows consistency. So right there at the front is actually me. Right? And that little girl that I am holding actually stood right here and sang this morning. That is Allie. There's consistency for you. Thankfully, she can walk to the stage now and I don't have to carry her. 25 years, Allie. We appreciate you and we thank you for it. 25 years, that has been our goal, that has been our mission. Because if you walk into our building now, we have added more words to it because we have a bigger wall now, but right there against the back wall of the cafe, you see a lot of words that ends in, in the words of Jesus, we exist to seek and to save those who are lost. 25 years, our mission has remained consistent. What are we here for? Why do we exist? What is Genesis Church, almost said grace, what is Genesis Church about? We're about looking for those folks who don't have the hope we have. 
We are looking for those people who don't have a relationship yet with Jesus Christ. We are looking for those people who are crying out for something and they don't quite know what it is. We are looking for the lost. But the thing is this. Church is not a building. Church is not a legal entity. It is, but it's not. What is church? Church is made up of people of you and of me, which means that in order for Genesis Church to be consistent over the next 25 years, we need to be consistent over the next 25 years, because as we go as a body of Christ, so does Genesis Church go. It is not easy in 2023 to be consistent. We live in a fluid world. Morals are changing. Rights and wrongs are changing. Things you could say and do not too long ago are no longer acceptable. Things you would never see in your, you thought you would never see in your lifetime are now a norm. It's okay to do those things. And so as believers in Christ, As God's ambassadors here on earth, what do we do? We got to hold on to the one thing that we know is consistent, and that is God. Where do we see that his way is? Just look in his word. The same God who created Adam and Eve. The same God who flooded the earth. The same God who brought a baby into a manger. The same God who fed 5,000 people. He hasn't changed, which means for us, nothing has changed either. What was good then is what's good now. What God said is wrong then is wrong now. We need to be consistent people in an inconsistent world. What I want to do today is I want to look at a story of a man in the Bible Because we are so blessed with so many incredible examples in God's word of people who live the lives that we should be living. And this man actually is one that is well known to a lot of us, especially if you grew up in the church, because it's one of the first ones that you learn when you go to Sunday school. And today I want to talk about Daniel. One of the most famous Bible characters, because as soon as I said Daniel, you all thought of an African animal, lion. Right? Daniel in the lion's den. Now, here's a quick backstory. Daniel and a number of other young Israelite men, when they were teenagers, were kidnapped. They were taken from Jerusalem, and they were moved to Babylon. And there in Babylon, they were told what to eat, what to wear, what to drink, and they were trained to be servants of the king. They were told exactly how to live and what to do. But what we find in scripture is that Daniel still was consistent in his worship of God, the one true God. And so were some of his friends. And I'd encourage you, I don't have time to do the whole thing today, but go check out Daniel chapters one through five. You'll see some incredible stories there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who would not bow the knee to the gold statue. 
They wouldn't bow down to an idol and were ultimately thrown into a furnace that was so hot that it burned up the soldiers who threw them in there. And they came out with not a singe on them. In fact, those who looked in the furnace said, wait, didn't we throw three men in there? Now there's four. And so there were a number of people there that still stayed strong, and Daniel was one of those. He was consistent in an inconsistent world. Despite hardship after hardship, despite challenge after challenge, he did not back down. He held his ground and said, no, my God says this. My God wants me to do this. And by the time we get to chapter 6, which is the chapter I want to spend time in this morning, Daniel chapter 6, there is a bit of a misnomer, because for a lot of us, we have this belief that when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, he was a young man. He was not. He was in his 70s, probably 80s by this point. That was how long he had lived to that time. He served a number of different kings and has outlived a number of different kings at this point. I want you to notice something. Those of us who are getting older need to realize, and yes, I realize I just bundled myself in there. Okay, Daniel at 70s or 80s is still hard at work. He had not retired. He had not cashed in his AARP card. He was not looking for early bird dinners. And I want to remind you of this. Those who are getting older, there is no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. Okay? While you still have breath in your lungs, it was given to you to, for you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. There is still work for you to do, no matter how old, much older you are. God has a plan for you. Don't think it's time to step off the gas. In fact, we need you more than ever. Because our youngsters who are in here, our youngsters who are going to next-gen youth, they need to see older people who have carried on in this life, who have followed God through everything. Your testimony and your experiences are invaluable to us. And so most of us know how this story is going to go, but I wanted to look today at what are some of the things that we can learn from the life of Daniel, this consistent follower of God, what can we learn from him as we seek to follow God and be consistent in our walk? The first thing I notice is this. Daniel was distinguished. If you go to um, verse 3 of Daniel 6, you find it says this. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole of the kingdom. Just like Joseph had done hundreds of years before, here we find Daniel who has worked his way up to the top, just below the king. In fact, the king is so impressed with his work, he's getting ready to promote him. He has set himself apart. He has distinguished himself. A couple of factors that I see from this story that I think leads to the fact that he distinguished himself. Number one is this. There was a quality factor about Daniel. He was exceptional. Reading up to this point, as you read Daniel 1 through 5, you will see he had a capacity for facing and overcoming difficulties. In fact, he had been able in the prior chapters to interpret dreams 
that nobody else could. And these were dreams of the king, and the king wanted answers as to what was happening, and only Daniel could do it. And what do I learn from this is this. He didn't do it by himself. He had a God-given gift and talent that helped him to do that. But here's the thing. We all have God-gifts and talent, God-given gifts and talents. You got to use them. He used the gifts that God gave him, and that caused his work to be quality work. He did the things that God spoke him to do. The other thing is there was an integrity factor about Daniel. Daniel was given a lot of responsibility. He was high up there. And when you get higher up, of course, unfortunately, he was at a level that could have been susceptible to dishonesty and corruption. But Daniel remained absolutely blameless. Throughout the book of Daniel, you will find that he lived the life that God wanted him to. There was no gap between the things that he professed and the way that he lived. In fact, you could say that Daniel was a Micah 6.8 man. Micah 6.8 says, The Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That was Daniel. He did what was right. He walked humbly despite his elevated position, and he loved God with all his heart. Some Sundays I'll look around here, and even though we are now 10 years in this building, I still can't believe that it's actually done because uh, it was an absolute nightmare in some ways to get to this point. It took us 14 months from when we got the keys to when we actually were able to start holding services in here, and those were a rough 14 months or so. And throughout that time, we as a church were pretty financially stretched because we still had to pay rent to use uh, the Regal Cinemas on Sundays, but we were also spending a lot of rent on a building that we weren't using, and there were a lot of bills being paid for things that we needed to do throughout this building. I mean, you would cry if I told you what the electric cost. It was, you know, it's incredible what we had to spend. And there were times when it would have been easier for us as a church to say, you know what, just cut a couple corners. You know what? Nobody will notice if we don't get that permit. Nobody will know if, you know what, we don't go to the town and tell them that this is happening. But we determined that no matter what, as a church, we were going to do what was right, no matter the cost. And there were some weeks, there were bills to pay, and it was like, are we going to be able to do this? In fact... One of the biggest design flaws in this whole building, and you guys are aware of it if you sit here on a Sunday morning, is the fact that you can hear what's happening out in the cafe. I'll tell you why. We were getting towards the end, and we were putting up walls, and they came to us and they said, do you want those walls to go all the way up? They said, if you want those walls to go all the way up, Not only will we have to redo the whole sprinkler system in the building, but there's a lot of girder. It's a huge project. 
And at that point, we said, and I think it was in the $30,000 realm it was going to cost on top of everything else. And we had made the decision we were not going to borrow a penny to do this building. We owe nothing to anybody. That is one thing that we have stood on. And so we said, possibly short-sighted at this point, we said, no, it's okay. They don't have to go all the way up. That was a decision that we made because we did not want to have to cut corners anywhere else. And I know it's a bit of an inconvenience, and actually now we're going to start working on it, and we'll let you know what's happening um, and with that. But as a church, we have always said we need to have integrity. And you and I as believers, we need to, if we want to live consistent lives of faith, if we want to be people who stand out, we need to be just like Daniel and be distinguished. How does that work? We need to be people who are known by our integrity. In our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, in our social circles, am I distinguishing myself from others? Am I punctual? Am I kind? Am I honest? Am I helpful? Do folks actually want to be around me? Am I the person that they come to if they want to know the office gossip? Do I talk differently than others? Am I using language that does not set me apart in any way? from those around me? Do I act differently? How's my attitude? In 2023, let me add one more thing to that, and that is this. How's your social media? Is it distinguished? Does it set you apart? Do people know there is something different about you? Is there a quality and integrity to your posts? I'm not saying you can't post your cat pictures anymore, but you know what I'm saying, right? Daniel was distinguished. Now, we all know how love, life goes, and Daniel lived. Life was no different then than it is now. And the fact that Daniel was distinguished actually brought up an, another aspect of his life because of that, he became despised. The king was eyeing him to actually get a promotion above all the other administrators and the satraps, and they were not happy about that. And so we follow on in Daniel 6. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. As you live for Christ, as you follow God, and especially as you do what's right, which might be right in the face of what the world says right now, is okay. As you remain constant and consistent in a fluid world, 
There are going to be those who despise you and will come against you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 25 years of Genesis Church, we got some people who have not liked us. We still have some people who do not like us. We have met resistance, some of it from within and some of it from without, with the way that we do things. In our mission to seek and to save, they haven't agreed with the way we have gone about that. Hey, there's a lot of folks not happy that you're listening to a woman preacher today, but that's another story, right? <laughs> but that is what is going to happen. We are going to meet resistance. And so these administrators who are jealous of Daniel and his relationship with the king, they concoct of a plot to get rid of Daniel. And basically, they trick the king into signing a decree that says that nobody can pray to any other god or any other man besides the king for the next 30 days. And if you do, you are going to be thrown into the lion's den. Basically, you are going to face certain death if you pray to anybody besides the king for the next 30 days. And then they set it up in a way that there was no way it could be repealed. They were tricky that way because they knew that the king had a soft spot for Daniel. So Daniel hears about this. And what does he do? He doesn't water down his faith. He doesn't compromise. He doesn't become inconsistent. Instead, he keeps doing what he has always done, which means he goes home, he goes upstairs, he opens the window that faces towards Jerusalem, he gets down on his knees, and he prays. And he does that three times a day, knowing that basically by doing that, he is signing his death warrant. But that didn't matter. What mattered to him was consistency in his faith. And in fact, there is an incredible verse buried here. Because here's the thing. Not only did he pray. A lot of us right then would be on our knees praying that something would happen that we would not die. Right? If, though, if I have to pray, these are the prayers. No, it says this in, in verse 10. It says, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed. And here's the incredible part giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Even with the severity of his situation, even though he knew what was going to happen when he was seen, and he knew he was going to be seen because he was praying in front of an open window, in spite of everything else that was going on in his life, he found things to give thanks to God Four. Sermon right there in, the, in those verses. He was consistent. That level of consistency is what's going to make a difference in our world. If we all made a pact, you know what? I am going to be consistent no matter what happens. No matter what is going on in my life, I am going to be consistent 
with my walk of faith. I'm going to keep doing those things that I know are right despite of what I am facing or what may come against me because I do it. That's what's going to change our world. And that consistency showed another quality of his life. Number three is this. He was disciplined. In fact, it was his discipline that actually led him to the problems that he was in. Now, if he had only been spasmodic in his faith, right? If he had only prayed sometimes, those who were against him, his enemies, wouldn't have known how to word what they worded because they wouldn't have known when to catch him praying. But because he was so disciplined in his faith, they knew three times a day, Daniel's going to be in front of that window and he's going to be praying. They knew exactly where to catch him in the act. And it's pretty easy. And so they go back to the king. Verse 13, and it says, Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. This was a habit that he had established over time. This was something that he was doing. Now, I am sure at times, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed and he felt heaven. But I'm sure there were other times when he got down on his knees and he prayed and it was like, ho-hum, anybody there? Anything happening? Is this thing on? Whatever, right? I'm sure every prayer session with Daniel was not this great choir of angels thing. But that didn't matter. His discipline meant that he still did it. He had established this fixed point in his life that no matter what was going on around him, this part did not move. And the part that did not move was I spent three times a day talking to God. I have this connection. I have this strength within me because of it that I have this line with God three times a day. And here's what I want to say. If you want to be consistent in the tough times, you need to establish holy habits in the good times. You are not suddenly going to start holy habits when life is really, really, really tough. You're not going to start doing them when things are coming against you and butting against you and you don't know which way is up. When things are good, when life is going good, we need to establish the habits that are going to help us to be consistent in a ridiculously inconsistent world. That's what's going to help us in that time. In a crazy, ever-changing world, there is only one constant. And so we need to make sure that we have a connection to him, are tethered to him as the winds knock us around, as life bashes us wherever. It's okay because you know what? I'm attached to my father, God. And that's what's going to help you when life gets hard. Daily Bible reading, prayer, coming to church, making godly choices, putting God first, giving him the first, through, the first fruits of the money that I have, all of these things need to be established so that when life gets hard, I'm still able to keep doing what I am doing. And so the story continues, verse 16. So the king gave the order, 
and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not change. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Most of us know how this story ends, of course, right? So the next morning, the king rushes there, having not slept, and basically says, uh, Daniel, any chance you're around by any? And Daniel yells back. And Daniel says, I'm fine. God shut the mouths of the lions, and I am doing good. And then the king says, you know what? This is an incredible thing that has happened. He's overjoyed. He has Daniel lifted out of the lion's den. He has the men who had tricked him and who had made the decree thrown into the lion's den. And obviously by this point, the lions were hungry because they had nothing to eat all night, so they made quick uh, nourishment of those guys, right? And then the king decrees that everyone in the land should worship Daniel's God. Daniel was delivered. Daniel, a man whose faith was consistent throughout his life, a man who is distinguished, despised, disciplined, finds himself delivered from death. But here's the thing we need to remember. Not only does he find himself delivered from death, because of him, a whole nation is turned to God. The king decrees that the whole nation now must worship Daniel's God. None of us live in a vacuum. Our lives are watched by those around us, and we have wide influence on those around us. And so the challenge today is this. Are you living a consistent life of faith? Do others look at you and see that there's something different about you? Are you establishing those holy habits that don't fluctuate in good times and bad so that they stay the same? Have you made the conscious decision that no matter what is happening, you will follow God? You see, where we go, Genesis Church goes. For Genesis Church to be consistent in the next 25 years of its, consist of its existence, you and I need to be consistent in our faith. You and I need to be beacons in a world that desperately needs it. 25 years in, our mission here at Genesis is not over. We still have a lot of work to do. You may not know this, but you are living and sitting this morning in one of the counties in this whole nation with the lowest percentages of evangelical Christians in this nation. There is a mission field in Suffolk County, but it's going to take all of us, all of us, to say, we're in, we're doing it. 
And so today I want to ask you a question as we start the next 25 years of Genesis Church and we look at the words that we've looked at over the, fi the past five weeks. Are you willing to say, you know what? I know that there's going to be uncertainty in life, but I'm going to trust God with all that I have. Are you willing to say, you know what? God's ways may be different than my way, but you know what? I'm going to be flexible enough to say, God, your will be done, and I'm just going to follow where you go. Are you willing this morning to say, you know what? God made me for community, and I am saying today, this is my community. These are my people. Are you saying today, you know what? Availability, I am available. I've been sitting here for a while, but you know what? I'm ready to take up an oar, and I'm going to start as we row this boat into the next 25 years with more and more people who need to be saved and who are lost. I'm in for that. And today, do you say, you know what? I fluctuate a little. It's time for me to get tethered. I need to be consistent in my faith. So as I'm consistent, Genesis Church can be consistent and keep doing what it needs to do. And so I'm going to do something that we don't usually do around here today. If you're willing to say today, yes, I'm in. I'm ready to start the next 25 journey with you. You can count me in. I'm going to ask you to stand today and say I'm part of it. And here's what I'm going to ask as our spiritual head. I'm going to ask Dad to come up and pray over us today as we look and as we look forward into the next 25 years that are ahead of us. God. Who knows what the next 25 years hold? Who knows how much of it some of us will see? But I'm committed to whatever future God gives us. And I'm blessed looking around that you are too. And so while we celebrate the past, we anticipate the future and we commit ourselves to it. Father, we stand before you today saying, Lord, we are yours. We're your people. And Lord, we want to serve your purposes. We want to live out, Lord, what you've planned for us. And our prayer is that this church family will increasingly have an impact in this community and especially will be a warm and welcoming and loving environment for everyone who is looking for the hope that only Jesus can give. Father, thank you for the fact you've brought us to yourself. Thank you you saved us. And God, may these years ahead of us be years of increasing harvest, I pray. God, we commit ourselves to you today. God, help us to be consistent in our walk with you and in our commitment to our purpose. And let your will be done here among us, just like it is in heaven, we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God.